Good evening. Good evening. It's not morning, it's evening this time. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Should we skip announcements? Yes. We already know. Wait, no. Wednesdays, feeding the homeless. Not this Wednesday, because it's the last one of the month. But we'll start again after the first of the year. Right? You'll be there. Not next Wednesday. Oh, look at you and Tyler working together. Yeah, they're working together. You should come with us sometime. Next women's study coming up soon. Sometime after the first of the year. I'll just think a little harder about that. Next men's study coming up after the first of the year. You already finished your book? <gasps> yeah, we did, and we're starting a new one. And youth, youth nights, do that again after the first of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then sign up for email updates, or if you want to know what's going on, go to thechurchne.org. You can find the calendar there. So with that, let's get started. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn more about you, who you are, how you love us, how you guide us, how you provide for us how you sent your son down to this earth for our sins, for our iniquities. You were willing to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And that's what we're going to go over tonight, is you sending your son to this earth because you love us that much. And I'm so very thankful for that. I ask that you would guide us this week. You would help us to be a light and a witness to those around us. That you would draw us closer to you. Fill each one of us in this room with your Holy Spirit. Help us to be patient and kind and loving to everyone we meet. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray all these things. Amen. So, we're going to go over the Christmas story. And to start the Christmas story, you'd have to go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. That's where the Christmas story starts. So we have a lot to cover, so... Go quick. And when we're reading the words that are in red, those are Jesus' words, the words he spoke while he was here on earth. So we're going to start off the Christmas story with Jesus' own words here on earth. Are you ready? Read. Oh, you want me to read? Okay. So John chapter 3, starting here in verse 16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son into this world. Not to judge this world, but to save it, right? So that's where the Christmas story starts. That God loved us so much, he sent his son into the world, not to judge us, but to save us. So let's go back a couple chapters, and we'll start John chapter 1, verse 1. So, 
the Christmas story, the story of Jesus, didn't start at his birth. It started when? When Joseph, when the angels came to Joseph and Mary. Ooh, that'd be a good place for it to start. But I think it started when God said he loved the world so much he sent his only son. But does that mean that Jesus was born on Christmas Day and that's when he started? That's when he existed? <laughs> nope, he always he existed. existed. Yep. So let's go to John chapter 1 and read through these first five verses. So John chapter 1, starting here in verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light into brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So, John, the writer of this gospel, uses the Word to describe Jesus. Jesus is also known as the Word, the Word of God, right? Jesus defeats all evil at the end times with what? His Word, the Word. We're going to Go back to Genesis now. But before we do, we're going to read these five verses again. We're going to replace the word or the personal pronouns with Jesus' name and see how it sounds. Okay? So, in the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and Jesus' life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So here we read that in the beginning, Jesus already existed. So when the earth began, when God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus already existed. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Jesus. And nothing was created except through Jesus. Right? So Jesus gave life to everything he created. Jesus did all the creating. So where does the story of Jesus start? Before time. He's always existed. He's outside of time, right? We think of things in, in linear, in time. Like we have so many hours in the day, so many days in the year, so many years in a decade, so many decades in a century. But Jesus and God, the Father and the Holy Spirit, all exist outside of time, right? They're not constrained by time. So, we just read that everything was created through Jesus. So let's go back to Genesis where we talk about creation. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1.
So Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1. So this is the very first verse of the Bible. And let's see how it starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what did we just read? In the beginning, God, Jesus, created the heavens and the earth, right? The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So think of that, verse 3. God said, Jesus said, Let there be light, and there was light. Just like that. How did he create things? How did he bring things into existence? With his word, he spoke them. Does that make sense? So do we see how powerful his word is? So when John, the gospel writer, refers to Jesus as the word, God's word is very powerful, huh? So God says, let there be light. All of a sudden there's light, right? How did God create things? He spoke them into existence. So Jesus' words are very powerful. So when we started tonight, we started with Jesus' words. John chapter 3, verse 16. That God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will be saved. Right? Those are very powerful words. And those are Jesus' own words. And here we get to read some of other Jesus' words. Some of Jesus' other words. He created by speaking it into existence. So we'll continue on in verse 4. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came, making the first day. So the first day, what did God create? He created light. Now this isn't the sun, because if we were to continue reading the creation story, we'd read that he created the sun later. He created light, like that light bulb right there. That's not from the sun, right? But that is light. So God created light, which is important, right? Jesus is the light of the world, right? Do we understand that? Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll skip down a few more verses here in Genesis. Since we're here, let's read what happened when he created humans. Then God said... Let us make human beings. So we're in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us, us, plural, make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I think it's very interesting here. God said, let us, who's God speaking to? And I would say us is the Father, God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That's the us. They're speaking to each other. Let us create humans in our own image. So when God made us, what did he make us like? He made us in his image, right? So when you look at yourself in the mirror and you have negative thoughts about yourself, how I look, this, that, or the other, I wish I was different colored eyes or different hair or whatever it was, don't forget you were made in the image of God. 
and that's important, right? Do you understand that? That is very important. So, that is, this is where the creation and the Christmas story start. Jesus always existed. Everything that's been created on this earth, including me and you, was created by Jesus. Jesus himself made each one of us just the way we are, because he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Okay? So, now if we want to get into the specific Christmas stories, the events leading up to Jesus coming to this earth, we can start that in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to be bouncing throughout the different Gospels. We're going to go through the whole story of Jesus' birth here on earth. But he always existed, right? We understand that? So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So we read about Gabriel the angel coming and visiting Mary, and next we're going to read that Mary was disturbed, or that this was frightened, some translations will put it. So the idea that these angels are like the Hallmark angels, oh, soft and little baby-like, not true. These angels are big and fierce and very intimidating. Because every time they appear to someone, the person that they're appearing to is always frightened, right? So, keep that in mind. Luke chapter 1, verse 29, we'll continue on with this account. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And he will reign over Israel. Yeah, I see that. That's right. We apparently need to read that again. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. 
for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So here we get to read that Gabriel came and gave Mary a message that she was going to conceive a son, that she was going to conceive a son, um, even though she was a virgin, and that that son would be the Messiah that they were waiting for, would be Jesus, and that her relative, Elizabeth, has already been pregnant. So, and the Elizabeth, her relative, is carrying John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is going to be born first, and then Jesus, and John the Baptist is going to point people to Jesus all throughout his ministry. So, the next place we're going to go is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So the angel first came, God first gave the message to Mary, right? So, this is kind of a pattern. Some very important messages, when they first come, who does he give them to? He gives them to women. When we went through the resurrection, when Jesus died, but rose from the dead, who was the first one to get the message that he rose from the dead? The women were. Who was the first one to get the message that the Messiah is coming to earth? Mary, a woman. So how does God value women? Very highly, right? So, Matthew chapter... 1 verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? We've already read how that that, that was going to happen. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So she's pregnant, and it wasn't by Joseph. So he was thinking, I don't want to make a big deal of this, so just break off our engagement quietly, and nobody will know, right? So we'll go on about our way. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph. Son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So what did we read earlier? That Jesus came to save, right? Not to judge the world. God sent his son into the world to save it. Not to judge it. And here we read that again. That he will save his people from their sins. So continuing on here, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed. We should, we're going to skip. So now we've read that the angel appears to Mary first. Then the angel appears to Joseph. They're both on the same page. They know that 
They're going to have this son, Jesus, the Messiah, God with them, the one they've been waiting for. They're both Jews. They've been waiting for this all their life. The Jews have been waiting for their Messiah. And here he is. It's been announced that he's coming to earth. So we'll continue on. But to continue on in this story, we have to go to Luke chapter 2. And starting here in verse 1. So we started the Christmas story with John chapter 3 verse 16. That God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's how the Christmas story starts. And that Jesus always existed, long before his birth here on earth, which we're about to read about. But Jesus has always existed. Everything was created through Jesus. And all life was given through Jesus. And we went back and looked at the creation, back in Genesis. And we saw that Jesus spoke everything into existence, right? How powerful his words are. He says, let there be light and there's light. So now we're going to read the account of him actually being born here on earth. Of him leaving his heavenly throne to come down to earth. And not as a a conquering emperor, but as a a lowly servant. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. So think about that. Mary and Joseph are not married. They're engaged. She is obviously pregnant. They live in a town that probably everyone knows them, or most people know them. And what do you think most people are thinking? What? That they're horrible. Like, they're bad people. Yeah. Yeah, they're bad people. Look, they had sex before they were married, and they got pregnant. But what was the true story? The true story is that they didn't. That God, through his Holy Spirit, placed his son inside Mary. The Immaculate Conception, right? Well, so they know the truth, and God knows the truth. But everyone else that talks bad about them, do they seem worried about it? They don't seem worried. We don't read about it. And does it really matter? If you know the truth, and if God knows the truth, does it matter what other people say? Not really. The only thing that matters is what God says. You know, what did we learn about last week? Not to worry. Right? And can you control what other people say? No. So why worry about it? Right? Why not let God defend you? So, maybe the people during that time thought that Mary and Joseph lived a bad life, like you said, right? Did bad things. But what did God do? He straightens the story out. And everyone else after that knows the truth, right? Because we get to read about it in his word. So why don't you let God defend you? That's a little sidebar. We'll continue on. So continuing on with the the story. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And while they were there, 
the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So that is the birth of Jesus right there. That she had Jesus when she was in Bethlehem. Mary did because they had to go to Bethlehem for the census. They had to be counted. They want to know how many people were um, just like they do censuses now. Every 10 years, they count the population, right? They did that back then, too. They wanted to know how many people lived in this region. So they had to go to Bethlehem, which is pretty amazing because the Bible and the Old Testament speaks that Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. But they weren't from Bethlehem. They were from Nazareth. But God knew what would happen. God knew that this census would be called and that when that census was called would be the time that his son would enter the world. So God knew exactly where he'd be born, right? Because God knows everything, the beginning from the end, before he ever created the earth. So, we know that God knows all, that he was able to tell us long before this happened what would happen, right? It's called prophecy. God speaks things into existence before they ever happen. That This is going to happen and lets us know. And lets us know that we can trust him, that we can believe him, because every time he tells us something... It always comes to pass, right? So that's the birth of Jesus, right? That's the Christmas story that he got laid in, in a manger and snuggly strips of cloth. Got wrapped in cloth and laid in a manger, right? And that's it. But let's go to, we'll come back, but let's go to Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. And let's read just a little bit more about what that means, that he came to earth, that Jesus came to this earth. So Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. This is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. And he's telling them here in verse 3, Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. Be humble. Think of others better than yourselves. So that's important. That's for everyone. How often, how often do we get selfish and don't think of others needs over our own or don't think of others more highly than ourselves so paul philippians chapter 2 verse 3 don't be selfish don't try and impress others be humble thinking of others better than yourself don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that christ had so this is the attitude that Jesus had when he was willing to come down to this earth to be born into a poor family. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So he is God. He is the Most High, but he didn't cling to that. He didn't say, I'm better than, than these humans I've created. He didn't cling to his Godhead, to the kingdom that he has. Instead, we read here in verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus didn't cling to his divine privilege, didn't cling to his his heavenly kingdom. He was willing to take the, the lowly place of a servant to be born here on earth for our sins, to sacrifice himself, to be led away as a criminal's death on the cross that he didn't deserve, that he didn't, um, nothing he did on this earth, never at any point did he sin. He lived this sinless life, but still died a death on the criminal's cross. A willing sacrifice, we've read over that, right? He willingly allowed himself to be sacrificed because he loved us that much. So keep that in mind. We'll go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And we'll continue on with the story. So we've read that he was born, right? And now we'll read the next part of the story. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. So again... We see these angels, and these guys are terrified. They sound like little, cute little angels that you see in the Hallmark cards. No. They sound like every time that an angel appears, the person is terrified. So they sound pretty big and scary. And then the angel said what they always say. But the angel reassured them here in verse 10. Don't be afraid, he said. That's what they always say. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So we've read John chapter 3, verse 16, that God sent his son for all. And this good news will bring joy to all people. So who is Jesus make himself available to? Some certain group of people on this earth? Only a, a chosen select few? No. Jesus is available to all who are willing to receive him. So continuing on here, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those to whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was a baby lying in a manger, just like the angels had told them. They'll find a baby lying in a manger, and what happens? They go to town, and they find a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. 
But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So here we read, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Right? I think that's important. We don't want to skip over that. Because oftentimes God does something that moves in a way or speaks to us or does something that we know that he is God, that he's um, near us, that he's done something in our lives, um, that he's spoken to us. And what are we told to do? Well, we're told what Mary did. She thought of them often. And why should we think of them often? Because there's so many distractions and bad things in this world, bad things that happen, mean things that other people say, mean things that we may say that take us away from God and help us or cause us to to forget who he is or the work he's done in our lives. So what should we be doing? We should think about the good things that God has done in our lives and think about them often, right? That's what Mary did. Because the same Mary who has all this joy right now of her first son being born, how exciting that is, will also be the same Mary who watches him die on the cross. And that'll be very difficult to see too. But even though that that was terrible for her to go through in that moment, ultimately what came out of that? Her salvation. Her son died on the cross. But her son dying on the cross also saved her, right? So she would think about the things that God did, the good things that God had done in her life often. And we should do the same. So... Continuing on here with the story, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. So now we've read that God's plan was that he would send his son into this earth to sacrifice himself for our sins. He would pay the penalty for our sins, take our price, because he loved us that much. We've read that Jesus existed outside of time. Before, Before there was time, before there was a heaven and an earth, Jesus always existed. He always has been there. Are the God that we serve exists outside of time. Not like we're constrained by time. He's outside of that. We learned that everything that he created, everything that's been created, got created through Jesus, right? And he created it by speaking it into existence. Yes. And then we got into the Christmas story, the specific time when Jesus was born here on earth. And we read that an angel came and visited Mary first, then visited Joseph, and that while they were obviously pregnant and not married, many people would say many things about them, but we don't read that it bothered them or concerned them. They weren't worried about it. They were serving God faithfully, what God had asked them to do, right? And then we get to read when he was actually born. That They had to travel to Bethlehem for a census. He was born in Bethlehem, Jesus was. And that that night, the angel, who does the angel announce it to? The birth of the Messiah? to the shepherds, right? And the shepherds go and they see and they see that what the angel had told them was true. And now the next part of the story is eight days later, okay? So this is the part of the story. We haven't read anything about wise men, right? Sometimes we hear that the wise men were there when Jesus was born. Have you heard that before? But I haven't read that. Have you read that yet? Have we come across that yet? Okay. So, I want to point a few things out as we wrap up here. So, continuing on here, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. 
eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel even before he was conceived, right? So before he was ever conceived, the angel told his parents what the name would be. That was the name that he was to have. And the, the eighth day was when they circumcised, uh, when God told them to circumcise their babies, which is pretty amazing because that is after the vitamin K kicks into their body and their blood begins to clot. So God had a plan and a purpose in everything he does, right? His timing is always perfect. So eight days later, they go in for their ritual of being circumcised, and that's when they would name the baby, and they name him Jesus. So continuing on here, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. Isn't that amazing how that works? Her first child is a boy, so he's going to be dedicated to the Lord. There's another place we get to read about this with the birth of Samuel. Samuel was the first male in that line, that family line, and he was dedicated to the Lord, right? His mom left him there at the temple, and he grew up serving the Lord, a very godly man. So here we read that Jesus is dedicated to the Lord. He's set apart. So continue on here in verse 24. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this is important. And why is this important? It would be quick to gloss over it, that they had to offer a sacrifice of either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And this is eight days. We know that it's at least been eight days, right? After he was born. Okay, well, so this turtle doves, two turtle doves or two young pigeons was what a poor person would sacrifice. If they couldn't afford the lamb, they would sacrifice this instead. So if the wise men came that brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, would they have been poor? No, right? So they offered this sacrifice for a poor person, so obviously the wise men haven't been there yet. So the wise men weren't there the night he was born. Who was there? The shepherds, right? Okay. And how do we know this? We'll make a quick sidetrack to Leviticus chapter 12. You don't have to go there, but it'll just be up on the screen, these few verses. Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. When the time of purification is completed, so Leviticus is the law. This is where God is explaining to the people what to do. Like when the, the child is to be circumcised on the eighth day, that comes from Leviticus here, Right? And we know, medically speaking, that that's when the vitamin K's kicked in in his blood and that his blood is clotting better. So a circumcision, he won't die from it. Pretty amazing how God works in his timing. So this is the law. This is what, what God's telling us in his law. So Leviticus chapter 12, verse 6. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offering to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again 
after her bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will become ceremonially clean, right? So if she can't afford the lamb, then she brings the two turtle doves and the two pigeons. And what did Mary bring? Two turtle doves and two pigeons. So if she couldn't afford the lamb, we read that Mary is a, a righteous person or an upstanding person that made good moral decisions. That's why God saw her and thought to bring his son through into this world through her. So do you think Mary would have lied about it if she had this big treasure chest of gold, but I can only afford these two pigeons? No. So obviously the wise men weren't there the day that Jesus was born, right? Let's go back to the the New Testament. We'll go to Matthew chapter 2. And we'll read a few verses here in chapter 2. So this is after Jesus was born. We've kind of gone through this linearly in time, right? So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. So King Herod is the Jewish leader at the time. We read about the Roman leader that was in rule at the time. About this time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be born, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. So that one's important. Remember that. That he learned from them a time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where there was a child, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So that's interesting. It says when they entered the house. We read at Jesus' birth. Where was he? Outside in a manger in the state. So when they entered the house, they saw a child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. 
After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So Herod decides on when they told him the star first appeared, that they were going to kill all the babies two years and under. So that kind of tells me that the star probably appeared two years ago, right? So the wise men probably came to visit Jesus when he was about two years old. Makes sense. We know for sure that he didn't visit him right away because when they went to give their offering and the purification offering would have happened when, after 33 days after she was born. So they weren't there for that because she only had two turtle doves. She couldn't afford the lamb. So the, the, they weren't there then. And they probably weren't somewhere between 33 days and when he was two years old is when they showed up. But not the night he was born, right? As oftentimes we've been taught, and what's the point of going over all that? What's the point of understanding that? The whole point of understanding that is don't take what somebody else tells you about God and, and believe it, right? What should we believe about God? Well, we should read it ourselves. We should be in his word. We should read the Bible regularly so we know what God says. Don't take someone else's interpretation of the Bible. Go read it for yourself. Let God speak to you as he's spoken to all these other people all throughout, all throughout all the stories in the Bible. God is speaking to them, and God is still speaking to us today. So it's important that we spend time reading his word every single day. It's important that we spend time in prayer with him every single day. So with all that, this is where we'll, we'll finish up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. So not John 3, 16, but 1 John. Chapter 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So what is real love? Real love is Jesus giving up his life for us. We've, we've been over this. Love is not a feeling that we have. Love is a sacrifice. Willing to sacrifice our time, our talents, our treasures, willing to sacrifice our needs, our desires, and put someone else ahead of us, right? Our friends, we put our friends' needs ahead of us. Here we read that our brothers and sisters, other believers, put their needs ahead of us, right? What did Jesus do? Jesus put his needs. We read in the account of him dying on the cross that he didn't want to go to the cross, that he asked God to take this away from him, but ultimately not his will be done, but God's will, the Father's be done, right? So Jesus denied his own feelings and went to the cross. He denied, um, put his needs or his wants aside and served others. And that's what we're to do, right? So the Christmas story, this greatest gift of all, 
is the gift that God gave his son to us. And how should we live our lives? We should receive that, receive him into our lives, ask him into our lives, and then we should love others the same way, putting others' needs ahead of ourselves. Does that make sense? And it's important that we spend time in his word, that we don't take what somebody else has told us about God as fact, that we go look it up ourselves. Don't even take what I tell you about God as fact. You should go look it up yourselves. That's right. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? Yes. Yes? Okay, let's hear them. Okay. Okay. So when you're talking about the turtle doves and the pigeon, what if a woman couldn't afford either? They couldn't even afford turtle doves or pigeons? Oh, that would be a great question. I'm not even sure I know the answer to that one. Did you know the 12 days of Christmas? Yeah. Also, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking on the second day of Christmas, two turtle doves. I don't know. I'll have to look. I'm not sure. I think they just got two turtles. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Two turtles. What is a turtle? No, dove. Turtle dove. It's a bird. It's a bird. Yeah, it's a bird. A bird built. It's a cheap bird. I would say that probably just about everyone could afford, even the poorest people could afford two turtle doves. We do read that the price of sparrow was like half a penny. It was very little. But God but God cared about the sparrows. And how much more does he care about you? What if they had no money like at all? No no. I haven't found anybody that has no money whatsoever. Homeless people. No, they have money. Yeah, they have money. Some of them don't. But they all have something of value. Even if it's not money, if it's not actual you dollars, trade, you know, they have something of value in their camp trade. that they can trade or do something with. So, I don't know. But that's a very good question. I don't have a, I don't know what the answer would be if they but really couldn't afford it. They trade it mm-hmm. to get certain to what they needed. So. Good job. Any other questions? No. I don't. I don't think that part's biblical. I haven't read that in the Bible. It's not biblical, but I'm sure that's where it finally came from. They're trying to think of all kinds of things thrown at that, that song. So, hence the fact my wise men are not at my nativity scene anymore. Yeah. And I had to start putting them away from it when I learned that. It's not very long ago that I I I learned that. It's been in the last probably five years. I did not know that. Until it was shown to us. Which a lot of people, a lot of people tell the story that way. That the wise men were there when he was born, right? We need to snack, we need to get a small house. And then after, eight days after Christmas, we have to put the wise men in the small house. No, it's not eight days. It's, it's at least 33 at least, days. Was, and I would say... Cause, so the eight days was when he got... Uh, when he got circumcised. Oh, right. But the, her purification, when she would have brought that sacrifice to the temple, is it? we read the Bible and it's like one sentence after another and it makes it sound like it's all happening right away, like lots of action. But the, the sentence that he got circumcised at eight days and then she brought her offering to the temple, 
for the purification to the tabernacle, well, that had to have been at least 33 days. Because if you had a, a boy, you couldn't do it until 33 days after you gave birth. And if it was a girl, it was 66 days after you gave birth. So we know it was at least 33 days later, after she gave birth, that she brought that, the two turtle doves. Okay? So. I did not know that, Auntie, but I did see a special. It was really interesting on TV. It was a, it was a Christmas story, and it actually portrayed it that way. Yeah. And I have never seen that before, and I'm no. like, well, that's just not right. Because yeah. the wise men did it come for a long, long time. Well, and that's, yeah. we, that's how... Like we were taught different when we were younger that yeah. they were all it's all a big happy family right, at right. this manger and that wasn't the case and then it was like oh in a house well I wasn't they weren't in a house they were you know where the stalls yeah, in the manger this, were this, this one that I saw they and I'm sure it's the wise men came it was almost like a, a, he was like two years old yep. and they came yep. I think it was to the house yep, yep. And, and that's what they presented estimated. the gifts there at yep. that point, and yep. I've never seen that. Isn't that crazy? But when we read through the Bible, and that's specifically what it says that and they entered into the house. Really interesting. I guess we don't need to hear all this. But the wise men that they did show in this, one was from like Japan or China. But they were from different yeah uh, areas. One I think was like Africa. Maybe Middle East, something like that. They were all from different areas, and they were the very wealthy kings of that country. I thought that was interesting. I think that that's a good point because it's interesting. Something got said too about um, how how they got directed from that star. From from that yes. star. That was the other thing that that's why on a on a, an astrology standpoint of how things shine that's why the yes. other reason is it's it was more like two years am I right something, yeah. it was something like I, so, I, I, they've been watching these constellations apparently that's what I understood it and reading um, maps or whatever it is it was, it was a very I'd never seen it depicted that way so now I know mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I kept saying yeah. somebody <laughs> and the signs in heaven because one way God communicates yeah. but then the enemy wants to come and pervert whatever God does so then you have uh, like all the, the zodiac signs and all that yes. which are evil which you're not you are to stay away from so the enemy always wants to pervert it but yes God speaks to us through his signs and the important thing is to read it for yourself and slow down and read it right because we can read through it quick and come to the wrong conclusion, which is kind of what we've been going through. Everything God teaches, he teaches in stories, and if we want to read the story quickly and, and glance over it and make a superficial determination, we might very possibly determine the wrong thing or come to the wrong conclusion. So that's why it's important that we read it for ourselves, get involved in a church that teaches through the Bible, right? Because it's all connected. Just like the, the story of Jesus' birth. Where do we go? We had to go all the way in the Old Testament, the New Testament, to many different books to understand what the whole story is. So, and God created that way for a reason.
So with that, if there are no more questions, let's pray. Dear Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to come together to learn more about who you are, about your word, about um, just how much you love us, how, how you speak to us through your word today and how powerful your word is, Jesus. Um, so powerful that when you created things, you just spoke them into existence. That, that when, you, when you defeat the, the rulers at the end, it's with your word. You're going to speak it and it's going to be over. So when you say something, we should be paying attention. We should understand how important your words are, how powerful they are. We should also understand how important and powerful our words are. And we can use our words to esteem others, to build others up, or we can tear others down with those same words. Help us to understand that. Help us to be a light and a witness to you, especially this time of year. Help us to point other people to the work that you're doing in our lives to how much you love us, how much you care for us, that you were willing to send your son to this earth to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay. And I'm so thankful for that. I ask you to watch over everyone during this time that um, has lost a loved one, that, that always brings up memories, that you would meet them right where they're at, that you would guide them, that you would comfort them. We're told that you're the God of comfort, of all comfort. I just ask that you would comfort them, that you would use us to comfort them if that's your will. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.